just think. Uh, we are in Job 42. Job, just the first six verses, and then Lord willing, we'll do the last of the chapter next time. Uh, it's too much to do in one message, and so there we are. We're tuning in online. We're in Job 42. We're in our 37th message, Bowing Before God is the title, Bowing Before God. Uh, God has done his, remember there is the prologue, there is the dialogue, there is the monologue by God, and then now there's the epilogue. So we're ready for the epilogue, first sermon on the epilogue. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything and that no thought can be withholden from thee. And this is a question he's remind, uh, he was asked, Job was asked this question, who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Job, his response is, therefore have I uttered that I understood not, things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak, I will demand of thee, and clare thou unto me. He's reminding and recalling the questions to him. He responds, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. That's just, you want to, when you see God more clearly, that's how you will, how will be humbled. The more we see God clearly, the less we will think of ourselves. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, help me this night uh, not to get ahead, not to run ahead. May we learn together. Lord, this is not so much about suffering, although that is the topic of tonight in many ways. The book of Job is about you and how you relate to each of us. Lord, you are an awesome, wonderful God. And we cannot, though, explain you. We would not want to. We cannot, we cannot then hold you to account by what you do in the world. That's not up to us either. You are a benevolent, loving, kind, gracious God. And we just need to surrender our wills to yours. And so may we do that this evening. May that be our purpose as we grow into that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. My wife and I have been reading this book, and we just read this part, I think it was just last night. Uh, this is called uh, no, no Reason to Hide by Erwin Lutzer. And it's, uh, anyway, it's, uh, he, this is regarding, his topic is toward a biblical theology of suffering. Given what is happening in our culture, I've been forced to realize that my view of suffering has been shaped more, more by American experience than by the scriptures. He said, Bonhoeffer said this, that following Christ sounds like a nice idea until we realize it took him to Golgotha. Why do we prefer to think that as Christians we ought to be exempt from suffering? There are other scripture passages, and he has listed several, that teach the truth that suffering for Christ is to be expected. In fact, one Bible verse, uh, 2 Timothy, Yea, and all who will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And this was very convicting. Might one reason for our relatively infrequent suffering in the Western church be because we have lived so much like the world that we face no resistance, real resistance from it? Shall I read that again? I shall. Might it be one reason for our relatively infrequent suffering in the Western church be because we have lived so much like the world that we face no real resistance from it? To suffer for Christ is our calling, our privilege. Take up your cross. And we think, and I, and I, have, I have succumbed to the American idea of what suffering is. And the Bible says, if you're really going to be, yea, all who are going to live, you're going to suffer persecution. That's just, that's part and parcel. So when that comes, 
we still have to step back and say, God is still in control, and he is, we are yet in love with him, and we yet will serve him. Elizabeth Elliot writes in her book, These Strange Ashes, she says, As I look back on that time, I think it was a lesson one for me in the school of faith. That is, it was my first experience of having to bow down before that which I could not possibly explain. And it was not the murdering of her husband. It was the loss of her only translator, Mercario, when she was young, a young single missionary. She writes, usually we need not bow. We can simply ignore the unexplainable because we have other things to occupy our minds. We sweep it under the rug. We evade the questions. Now, there were no rugs left, no other things to occupy the mind, nothing to distract, nothing but questions and leisure to turn them over and over. End of quote. And Talbert says, for Elizabeth Elliot and for Job and for many Christians today, life slammed to a stop. In the book, she continues on, Face most severe tests come not when we see nothing, but when we see a stunning array of evidence that seems to prove our faith vain. If God were God, if he were not omnipotent, if he had really cared, this would not have happened. Is this that I face now? Is this the reward of obedience? Remember, Job has struggled with this. By the way, you and I would have struggled as Job has struggled, so let's not throw Job under the, the chariot. One turns in disbelief again from the circumstances and looks into the abyss. But in the abyss, there is only blackness, no glimmer of light, no answering echo. It was a long time before I came to the realization that is in our acceptance of what is given, whatever that may be, that God gives himself. This grief, this sorrow, this total loss that empties my hands and breaks my heart, I may, if I will, accept and by accepting it, I find in my hands something to offer. And so I give it back to him who in mysterious exchange gives himself to me. And this lady, 1957, her husband and four others were killed by the Indians. They were trying to help them. They dropped things and they landed on the beach and the Alka Indians killed all five of them. And yet she has had such a ministry afterwards. I'm, I'm fairly sure at least 300 people stood when they presented this, uh, when they went back and they presented a message after their death. 300 gave their lives to full-time service at Moody, that, very, that first message after they had, those five had been killed. Elizabeth Ellis suffered from that, that heartache. But I like that it's, it's, if I will accept, and by accepting it, I find in my hands something to offer. It's smack dab. I know that's not in the scripture, but smack dab where Job is in our text. He has realized that God is God and he is not. And he realized he's been just a little bit off, off kelter with God by his accusations. Elihu realized that. God realized that. And now Job realizes it in verse 42, 46, 42, verse 6. Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent and dust and ashes. You know, any stranger to that dust, someone has said, has not seen God for who he really is. Any stranger to the humility, when, I'll tell you, the more you learn about God, the more you're just amazed that he would love you and me. He is so infinitely higher than we are and further than we are. And yet he cared for me enough to die in my place that I might have life. 
We find that beneath the Lord's attributes that arouse Job's awe runs the undercurrent of compassion and benevolence, qualities that once recognized and experienced awakened love and submission. Someone says, for the first time he sees the God of grace who is not only just but loving and caring. Job is reconciled with God and he's ready for the healing. It's evident by what he says in these texts. So number one, first Job's response, retraction and repentance. Verse two, God is sovereign and he's free to do as he pleases. I know that thou canst do everything, 42.2, and that no thought can be withholden from thee. By the way, I am indebted to... Uh, Leighton Talbert for a lot of this information I'm going to share tonight. I want to make sure I give credit because that's been a very big issue in the world today about not giving credit to people who you uh, write about, if you know what I'm talking about. Even college presidents have been lost their jobs this week because they did not handle things correctly. So Dr. Talbert had a lot, given a lot of credit for this. And I have written to him and told him when I first started that I was going to use a lot of his material. He said, have at it. Not those exact words, but go for it. He says, I know that thou canst do everything. That second line clarifies what he means here. No thought can be withholden from thee. Job's not necessarily acknowledging God's power. That has never been in question. All of them would agree God is powerful. Job, but we find that he's, really con he's finally confessing not God's omnipotence per se to do anything, but God's sovereignty to do anything that he chooses. See, God is free to do that. God is free. God is, why has God allowed Satan access to himself where he's, he's the accuser of the brethren? Why doesn't God just take Satan and put him out? Why doesn't God just right now take Satan and just put him in that bottomless pit forever and ever and we never hear from him? Why does that let happen? Well, he is God and we are not. So he has a plan for the ages. So we have to simply, as Job does here, not only is God powerful, but he's omnipotent to do as he pleases to do. And we've got to be okay with that. I know, he says, that thou canst do everything, anything you want. Your thoughts cannot be thwarted. Your purpose is impeded. Your decisions hindered. Obviously, Job never denies God's omnipotence. He's all-powerful. But it implies God's omnipotence only secondarily, sort of, kind of. We, what spotlights is a truth far greater, even far more personal and practical. God not only can do anything he chooses, theoretically, he does do what he chooses, actually. God purposes what he pleases and performs what he purposes. How is Job's confession of God's sovereignty an answer? Because remember... Job is infinitely under-equipped. We just looked last time. You've got Behemoth and you've got Leviathan. Those are just two stellar examples that God is God. And Job was not. And we are not. Job cannot control the, the outcome even of a fellow creature. He cannot control the Leviathan or the Behemoth. If, God is no match, if Job is no match for mere beast, how can he tell God what he should do? Isaiah said it so well. Our ways are not his ways. His ways are so higher than our ways and our thoughts. His thoughts and our thoughts. One man said this, anyone who cannot undertake God's works has no right to undermine God's ways. And anyone who trembles at the sight of fierce beasts is unwise to boldly contending with the, contending with the beast's maker. Anyone who trembles at the sight of fierce beasts is unwise to emboldly contending with the beast's maker. Amen. If you can't control them, it's like if, you, if, you were, if we were having a piano competition 
And we brought in some people. And one person, all he's ever done, he, all he's ever done is, uh, I don't know, he, all he's ever done is fish. He's never played the piano a day in his life. And so we get up there, we play along, we do our very best, and he gives me an F. Well, I didn't like that. I didn't like the color of your hair, if you had the hair back then, and I didn't like the way you dressed. And I know nothing about music, but I'm giving you an F because I just didn't like it. No, we want someone who knows. I want a piano teacher who was far superior. In the last two years, I had a piano teacher far, far superior to me. That's what you need. So Job's come to the realization that God is far, far superior to him. And who is, who is he to tell God what to do? And you and I must come to that same place if you've not come there yet. This accusing God of not liking you or loving you or letting all these bad things happen into your life. You don't see the end from the beginning. All you see on the one side is all the strings together. God's work on the other side is a beautiful masterpiece. All we see are the, man, how's that string going to fit there, man? Oh, flip it over. God's worked all that out so that you might grow in grace and knowledge. The last thing I tell you, the last thing I want is a trial. But that is how we grow, is it not? It is. Theologically stated, since he has had at his command all the power in the universe, the Lord God omnipotent can do anything as easily as anything else. All his acts are done without effort. Now, I mentioned this morning, he expends no energy that must be replenished. He expends no energy that must be replenished. It's not like, well, God spent now, with the creation of the world, upholding all things by the word of his power for 6,000 years. Uh, he's, he's down to 77.3%. No, he's still at 100%. And a million years from now, 100%. A billion years from now, 100%. That's because he's God. Can you imagine if our God was like the gods of the the world, Allah and all those other, who have no true, they're not even true. Our God is the God of gods who made all those people who were worshiping something else. That's why it's so hurtful for Israel they started worshiping idols. Jezebel brought in all her stuff and, and they, they went hand in hand and all these different things. That's why God, I made you. And you're to worship me. And when you obey, things go great. When you disobey, down the tank it goes. Amen. We had two corgis visiting our home last couple of, last week or so. And it's interesting, the one corgi does not listen to, well, she does listen somewhat, the young one. But the older one, he's the best trained dog I think I've ever seen. And she can say, William, stop that. And, and Dylan, the other dog, oh, yes, I'm going to eat right up there. And he's like, oh, no, I'm, I'm feared. And what are you about? You're, you're fine, honey. You're about, it's, it's this one over here. But he said, so, he's so sensitive to that. We should be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Shouldn't take up a, a large bark. She said one time, she says, Dad, just say no. You know, anyway, I don't know if I learned to say that very well, but no, no, just stop. And he says in this text, I, I know, verse 2, I know thou canst do everything. A little bit ironic, because Job's been wanting to know why this is going on. And now he says, I don't think I'm stuttering. I'm stuttering. I, I know that thou canst do everything and that, that no thought can be withholding from. How would you respond to God? God's talking to you. I'm telling you, I couldn't even speak. 
I'm telling you, I honestly believe when we are in God's presence, we're going to be on our face worshiping Him. I mean, in the presence, only by His grace can you in His presence not die. The, the holiness of God. And so we're in our new bodies are going to be on our face, worshiping the one true. Now, there's also going to be time we're going to fellowship. Yes, but I think my first response is on my face before him. However far I am, way up. There. I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know. It's thrown and you have all these millions of Christians who've been there for quite some time and, and they have their space and but Sam was telling me how when they have the, the, the New Year's Eve party, if you're going down it was redundant, in Times Square, they stand for hours. And, and not to be gross, but they wear diapers so they can't lose their spot. And they stand there and they're waiting to be a part of that Times. I'm thinking, how foolish is that? How foolish is that to be part of that? I'm not boohooing it necessarily, but to be. But we've got all these people who are mom and dad are way up there, and people who. Who, who are, you know, died 400 years ago. Martin Luther, way up there. Way. But we'll, somehow it's going to work. God's going to have it all worked out for you and I to be able to worship Him. And that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going for eternity. We're going to worship Him in some capacity, other, regularly, etc. Maybe Carmichael, who, who, worked, who served in India, and she used to work at Uti, which I've been to Uti. It's an hour and a half drive, slow drive up the top of a hill. She worked in a place called Uti. It was a vacation area because it was so cool up there. She wrote, she said, and again from this, this is a book called A Chance to Die. She said, in 1912 was a year of stripping. The power allotted to the enemy seemed at times far beyond the limits of the love God might set. Because she lost, first of all, she lost a spiritual mother in India. Four days later, she lost a precious convert who she'd worked with for many, many years. And then a week later, the, a fellow missionary died. And so three and two weeks she lost. She was stripped of her three most treasured earthly relations. And she's, I'm quoting now. She said, kind people wanting to console made the usual observation. It is very hard to see how this can be for the best. We're not asked to see said Amy. We need not, or why need we when we know? Amen. We know not the answer to the inevitable why, but the incontestable fact that it is for the best. Others with a sigh and a shake of the head observe that it is difficult for us human beings to escape bitterness, even dumb rage, when such things happen. She says, it is indeed not only difficult, it is impossible. She wrote, there's only one way of victory over the bitterness and rage that come naturally to us to will what God wills brings peace. Amen. End of quote. To will what God wills brings peace. When we know God's sovereignty is not only absolute but also benevolent, we no longer need to trouble ourselves with seeing why God is doing what he's doing. Do you truly trust God? That's where we all at the bottom line is this. Do I truly trust that God knows what is best and that he sees us? Do you truly believe that? We may ask why as many times as Job asked, but we're not likely to get any more explanation than Job got. Another guy says, the only course for man is humbly to acknowledge his own incompetence, to put absolute trust in God, knowing that his, God's dispositions, whatever they may be, are wise and just and good. Amen. That's it. We have got to come to the realization that as we trust God, he's going to bring things into our lives that refine us. 
that make us draw close to him. If, he, if, he never, if we never had a problem, we'd never know that he could solve them, the songwriter says. But through it all, if you've heard that song, through it all. Wiersbe says, Job knew he was beaten. There was no way he could argue his case with God. Now, you listen, Job, now. You no longer hear the question that tumbled so many times from his tongue. Why, 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 why? Knowing the answer to the question who, Job no longer needs to ask the question why. And that, if you want to boil Job down really close and really refined, if you want to get the apple butter just right, you, can, you want to get that very just right before it's ready to, to put in the jars, knowing the answer to the question who, Job no longer needs to ask the question why. And that's me. And that is you. We have to come to the point where God is all. It's all that we, he's all I need. But we think we're going to have God and then we've got to this, 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 and this. It's not so. The answer of God to Job and Job's response to it instructs us in the art of reacting to the inexplicable. I just can't explain it, right? Then we've got to trust. From a book called The Problem of Suffering in the Old Testament, the peak says, Job's suffering is as mysterious as ever. But plain or mysterious, why should it vex him any longer? He has seen God, and God has entered into rest. Once we know God, we can trust him to the uttermost. We know incredible, though it may seem, that the world's misery does not contradict the love of God. That's one of the most important questions people ask. Well, if God was a God of love then how is all this evil happening in the world? S-I-N. S-I-N. Sin. God's a God of love. To believe God, with or without evidence, simply because he has spoken, to submit to God with or without understanding because he's both sovereign and good, and to worship God with or without reward because he is worthy. This delivers to the believer a peace that surpasses understanding and baffles unbelievers instructs angels, and glorifies God. Amen. To, to, to trust Him without reward, that is what God has called us to do. He is, he is faithful and just. So God is very <coughs> sovereign too. I spoke in ignorance, but now I know better. Chapter 42, 3. 42, 3, 4, and 5. 42 of Job 3, 4, and 5 says for us, who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee and declare thou unto me. That was God remember, remembering God's words, I believe there. And five, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Was it second or third John where he says, I'm writing you a letter, but I hope to see you soon face to face. And we, I'd say that sometimes, I think when Stephanie and I back in 1984 were writing letters back and forth, you know, I'm look, I, like, but it's nothing like, uh, I got to call once a week. Once a week, I got to call one time a week. Talk, you know how people, we're used to talking to people every day, all that. I got to call her one time a week and we were engaged and it was one time a week. That was it. But someday we you know, hope this, you know, I'm writing a letter now, but some, you know, soon, uh, October and December, see you face to face. Job says, I've heard by the hearing of the ear. Isn't it different? You can talk on the phone, but having that 
that face-to-face, that's where we're going to lose it. When we go turn all the social media, we're going to lose that. How do, you resp- how do I respond to Jeremy? We talk, we're looking right now, one another, and that's how you communicate. It's, it's that I can't tell what he's thinking uh, was that over the phone or what he's texting back. When I'm talking right here, he's smi- he got, he's going to have a smile on his face in just a minute because, see, there it goes. So there we are. And Bill does. I can, we're communicating, and that's, that's how we communicate. We communicate with God. It's, it's one thing. That he, he, it's a two-way street. He's spoken to us, and he will speak to us, but we've got to do our part. Sometimes we just need to stop and be still. That was one of my father's law's favorite things. I just need to be still. Now, he wasn't talking necessarily about Bible reading, but that's what we need to do, be still. Doesn't the Bible say somewhere, like Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God, something like that? Yes, yes. You find that Job here is among the most haunting thoughts of the book, I think. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see thee. I have uttered things I just did not really know about. So Job is not confessing his ignorance. He's confessing, speaking in ignorance. I like this little quote. Someone said, Beware of that the authority, beware that the authority of your opinions does not exceed your knowledge of the facts. Beware that your authority of, the authority of your opinions does not exceed the knowledge of the facts. Amen. He was unwilling and unable to say anything. His heart and his foot were in his mouth. His heart and foot were in, like the heart and foot were in his mouth. But he left the important things unsaid. Now he's ready to speak, and he begs permission here, verse four, "Here I beseech thee, and I will speak." Referring back to God, I think as well. And will the man of thee declare unto me? And Job wants to speak now. So thirdly, I repent and submit. Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent and dust and ashes. Spurgeon says, the door of repentance opens into the hall of glory or hall of joy. The door of repentance opens into the hall of joy. Doesn't that ring true with your life? When you confess and repent and get right with someone, then there can be that smile in their relationship again. And I've never had my cats one time repent to me of all the things they have done against me. Not one time have they done that. But, uh, you know, I don't necessarily repent to them either. But there we are. But in, in seriousness, when we repent, and with God, the peace that passes understanding comes when you and I obey what God has told us to do. This undercurrent, I abhor myself, it might even carry the idea of not only abhorring himself, but also the idea of he is sort of like, uh, he, he's retracting all he has said, he's recanting, he's withdrawing his charges, he's dropping his case, I repent, I am undone. I think of Isaiah chapter 6. I repent in dust and ashes. Now, this is not an admission that his three friends were right, that Job was suffering for sinning before this episode. No, Job had not been sinning, but, but since the book has started, yes, Job has said some things he should not. Job's word convey a tacit admission that God and therefore Elihu were right. He had sinned in his response to his suffering. He had contended with God as though he, God, were the one at fault. And like Elihu and God had said, he had condemned God just like Elihu and God had said. And he had spoken excessively and ignorant about God just like Elihu and God had said. So that is why when you get to verse 7 of this chapter, do we find at verse 9, who is noticeably missing in verse 9? So Ephes and Bildad and Zophar and there's no who. 
There's no Elihu. Because Elihu, I think, was speaking in parallel. We talked about that several messages ago. Speaking in parallel with God. Job's repentance is coupled with, not with a request. There's no bargains. He poses no suggestions. His restoration does not come at a point contingent. It's not like, if you'll do this, no, I'm going to repent. Repent. He does not simply resign himself passively to the impossibility of a solution, but yields himself in active reverence to find peace in the living presence of God he thought he had lost. His restless spirit found rest when he rested in God. I was just thinking, I was talking to someone this past, uh, just today. You know, we lay people to rest. Do they really know that we're doing that? No. So I was thinking, who is that really for? Lay them to rest closure for me in many ways. Because we're laying them to rest. Now I know the theory is, I don't understand, that they're going to rest in peace. Well, they're only going to rest in peace if they knew Christ as Savior. Amen. But it, it's a rest for us, a closure for us, a rest in peace. You find that the fact that God answers Job but does not explain his suffering is this is what makes Job's answer so appropriate. Job is it's not like, oh I understand rather, it's not like, oh God's finally told me why all this happened. No, it's I repent. I repent. Wait a minute, Pastor, you're telling me that God afflicted Job with all this suffering without cause as God himself admitted and Job is the one who has to apologize? If that's your reaction, you've missed it. You've missed it because because, see, to those who do not know God, to those who insist on God being God, uh, to those who insist on, just don't know, to those who do not know God, to those who insist on being God, this outcome does not suffice. But to you and I who know God, we would say, yes, that's what God did. Yes. And we understand why. Because God was proving the point that he is God. And Job has to, Put himself under that. To those who do know God, the author said, Come and God, come in time to recognize that it is better to know God and to trust God than to claim the rights of God. Job thought, Well, you know, uh, I've been righteous. I know about God, but I've been innocent. I've been, and Job really, re- well, matter of fact, he says it better than anyone else. I pour myself and repent. I, you know, now this happens right after Job's been healed, right? This is Job's all better now. Is that am I right or not? No, he's not. Bill's right, exactly right. He's not. Job is still in the ash heap. Job still got the worms crawling through his sores. Job still got all his problems. His three friends may be stealing over there, sitting over there, wagging their heads like, "Oh, I can't believe." We don't know, but Job is not better yet. I don't think. I don't think we can't say for certainly, but I don't think. I think he's still in the ash heap. What has changed? He has. Sometimes the things that aggravate you the most, it might be asking God to change you. And when I have changed, how things change, I, I see that very thing differently. It's like asking your wife, what three things that, that I could, three, just three, you got this three, I got like 33. I just know what, she would never say that. What three things I can work on? Well, the top three are the... And then we start working on that, and then your love for that person 
changes. Our love for God changes. We read his word and we find out more what he is. My eye seeth thee. Someone has written these words. Job is conceding that he did not and could not know the full mystery of the moral universe. Suffering is sometimes a mystery. We must affirm both the mystery and God himself. The paradox remained, but now at least Job knew he belonged, it belonged there, that it was built into the moral and physical orders and into the very nature of God as he has permitted humans to perceive him. God's speeches remind us, his speeches remind us that he is a person and not a principle is Lord. That a person, not a principle, is Lord. We've come full circle. The central issue is the relationship with God. Job, yes, Job, the book of Job is not primarily about suffering. The book of Job is about God, who he is, and how whatever circumstances there are, we cannot cast a despair. Now, we can ask why. I mean, you can ask why. You may not get an answer beside heaven. I can't even promise you you're going to get one in heaven. You may not even care by then. But I'm telling you, we can ask, but let's not condemn and let's not get angry. How many Christians have gotten angry at God because something happened? And there are people who've lost family members back to back and God still cares about us. He does. We see such a limited scope. I got some sights I got to put on my new gun. I haven't got them on there yet. I've not even shot it yet. But we see such, a, and we can put a scope on there and see a little further. God sees where the bullet goes. All bullets everywhere that you'll ever shoot. And He knows what you need. My piano teacher made me, I had to exercise the piano my last semester 45 minutes of before I even got to start practicing. 45 minutes. You got to warm up 45 minutes before you can even start practicing your songs. But, but, yes, yes, ma'am. I'll do that. Yes, ma'am. Because she had a ruler and a fingernail clipper. She could kick her nails. They're too long. She'd clip them right there. Clip, 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 clip. And she had a ruler. Pop, pop your right hands. Even my hands are not right. But she turned out some, other than me, some really, really good piano players. I like this. I know I got to, it's a, it's a top, it's a top of the hour. I see that. God means for us to be stunned and awed by his work of creation as Job was, but not for its own sake. These are but the backside of his, the backside of his glory, as it were, darkly seen through a glass. What will it be to see the creator himself? Not his works. A billion galaxies will not satisfy the human soul. God and God alone is the soul's end. That's it. John Newton, who also wrote Amazing Grace, said these words, Weak is the effort to my heart and cold my warmest thought. But when I see thee as thou art, I'll praise thee as I ought. I will praise thee as I ought. How much of your prayer life, how much is my prayer life requests and not praise. Should be a balance, shouldn't there? Yes. Let us pray. Lord, what a, what a marvelous book Job has been. How convicting it has been, especially tonight's message. 
Lord, I personally so often view an Americanized, it would seem, view of suffering. When something doesn't go my way, or a flat tire, or this or that, or the other, or a change in my schedule, or whatever it is. But Lord, suffering is, in the Bible is what you've actually called us to. Suffering for you is part and partial to taking up our cross. And perhaps I have not suffered because I have not lived as I should have. Pretty much I can say a yes to that. So help us that we'll be true to you, not ugly, not arrogant, not unkind, but we'll be true to you and we will be true to the principles of your word and we will be obedient to what you have called us to do. So help us this week to serve you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.